Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. I should have stayed home and played with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw. Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson. Quarterback, Florida. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. The first career touchdown. Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits it. Hits it. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It's up, Matt Taylor and Rick Venturi of the Colts Radio Network. And frankly, outside, of, I got to give shout outs here to start the show. Shout outs to the Boilermakers. Shout outs to my Sycamores. To the Butler Bulldogs. Because everything else this weekend kind of stunk. I don't know if it's just me. But it's I found this kind of trendy. When I get all fired up for a sports situation... Like one single game or maybe a weekend in this case. Remember, I've said this before. How often does it not live up to expectations? Or do you just have to be living around here and, in your case, be a fan of these teams? Not to have it live up to expectations. There was so much going on. 
and I just really touched the surface of it, but of of the other major portions, you look at that game, 34-14, where it really didn't feel like – I know that it was going into the half and there was a good feeling, but the Colts defensively refused to try to do something for whatever reason, either that or they got outworked at a screen game that was just relentless by Jake Browning and the Bengals yesterday. All that work that transpired into the half to get back into this, to have it tied, only to lose it. You know what felt really odd? Anybody else draw the conclusion going into the half that maybe Jake Browning was struggling a little bit and the Colts finally got to him? The Colts got to him and made him think about things? Made him wonder about his decision-making, which is exactly what you want a backup quarterback to be thinking about. I mean, hell, any quarterback to be thinking about. And then he came back out, and they just got back into the groove with the same old stuff that he'd been doing so far that the Colts couldn't stop. I, I was much more disappointed in that yesterday afternoon, considering the circumstances here and as I told you going back to Monday night I still had a I wanted to see the Bengals lose and and not to suggest that the Colts still would not have lost in this case but I still wanted to see the Bengals lose and now you're screwed when it comes to the head-to-head matchup with what the Bengals and the Browns you know already with the Jaguars and you got a big one coming up on Sunday, or check that on Saturday afternoon against the Steelers that you absolutely, I don't want to hear anybody out there, any of these nerds that suggest that must wins can only happen if you're ready to be mathematically eliminated. None of that garbage. You have to, if you want to make the postseason, beat the Steelers. Unless you just want to jack around and wait to see what happens around you. Kind of like back on in, right? Now, granted, I know as a Colts fan, it's been such a long time. And especially this past year, left such a bad taste in your mouth. You probably don't really care how you get there. And as an end result, maybe we end up talking about that. But just don't keep, in this case... This year and then last year, blowing your chances, blowing your opportunities. I'll tell you another thing. And I don't know if it's because I'm superstitious. I don't know if it's because we've lived through this so many times or if it's because we've we've kind of, including me, right, have taken on this slip rockish kind of attitude around here in terms of our sports teams. It seems like when they play games that we talk about By the eyeball test, it looks like that's a favorable schedule. Look at the quarterbacks. Look at the teams. The Colts have an easy schedule. And this is just us. It's not them. But this is just us. Anybody else notice that? The moment that the word or the phrase that you use to describe how easy you believe a game without Joe Burrow or how easy you believe with no Kenny Pickett and having Mitchell Trubisky be under center on Saturday, it doesn't get out of your mouth and float above your head like a comic book strip long enough for the Colts to end up blowing it. That's the way that it feels. That is the way that it feels. Whatever we say 
they have their playoff chances in their own hands, and it feels really good, right? Because, you know, they're right there with teams that they should be able to beat. The moment that we say that, it's almost like karma takes over and says, uh-uh, Indy, sit back down. You not remember a couple of years ago? A couple of years ago on Christmas night? I mean, how brutal could that possibly be? Now, we knew going in, and we talked about this last week, that the Bengals, even with Jake Browning, is going to be incredibly difficult. They have skill position players, skill position players, and the matchup in the secondary we were concerned about, worried about. But then, as you get it in result, think about this for a moment. If I were going to tell you, and I know that, I know that T. Higgins had a big one. He ended up, I think, with, what, two catches and 72 yards. But think about this for a moment. T. Higgins had two receptions. Tyler Boyd had two receptions. Jamar Chase had three receptions. Jamar Chase, three for 29. Tyler Boyd, two for 23. Think about that for a moment. If I were to have read off that list, and by the way, none of these guys score a touchdown. If I were to, if I would have read that box score to you prior to the game, let me see a show of hands via YouTube Live right now. How many of you would have said, ah, man, you know, that's a Colts win. The Bengals got them in other ways. The Bengals got them in another fashion in which the Colts either were not equipped, prepared, or just simply put, unable to deal with any of that screen game. I mean, they just brought it back and kept doing it. And then you t- you look at the run game. The Bengals have not been good against the run all season, and the Colts could not run it whatsoever. It's all the way around. Think about this, too. And I know what the attitude is that we're talking about here. You think about this team. Think about this team coming off, honestly, one of their better special teams games in memory. I don't have a lot of great, you know, obviously place-kicking would be different, but normally big-time special teams playing moments, they don't often reside in your recall as a Colts fan. So I was thinking about last week, and ah, there was a lot of, oh, wow, nothing but mistakes and screw-ups and helping undo that. 34-14 the final, and the Colts lose in Cincinnati. That's what I said last week. You got to embrace this roller coaster ride in the moments in which they play well. Because last week, when they got that thing done, I'm not suggesting they played well all the way around down in Nashville, but certainly they played well enough to get that win and they won it in final play walk off fashion, which was thrilling to Colts fans. But as I talked about last Monday, remember, we're up on the Northeast side. We're at Twin Peaks, and this is such a roller coaster ride. And it starts with the fact that this team is just not that great. They can be decent, but they, they do. They kind of they revolve around decent to below decent. And they just have to play decently. And then at times you gotta cross your fingers and hope something doesn't screw up. That's just kind of the identity of this team, is it not? But you knew that was going to be difficult. We talked about the roller coaster, so I guess you've got to embrace the Nashville and just completely forget about what was yesterday. I mean, they scored literally in, in real time 
They scored 14 points in, what, about two minutes? That was it. You had real-time two minutes of enjoyment. That's what I need to ask the folks out there today at 239-1070. What, what did you get done in the amount of time it took for the Colts to score all of the points they could muster yesterday? Let's think about that for a moment. Those 14 points. Those 14 points of the second quarter. What did you get? Could you go to the bathroom and get back in that amount of time? Did you, like, walk to the kitchen and then walk back? <laughs> I mean, really, there's not a lot of things you could have gotten done in that amount of time that it took you from that point for them to score those, those two touchdowns. For them to put 14 up on the board. It was absolutely amazing. And I wish I had answers for you. My only answer is this team is just not that good. And you're going to have to ride the wave when it's good. And then hope that they bounce back after yesterday again when it was bad. And then I don't want to hear anybody tell me this is not must win. I don't want to see your math routine. Any of that. Yeah, you imagine how many teams are going to have to try to vault over if you were to lose to the Steelers. And we all know the history with the Steelers is not good. Trying to think how we could do that and be right with karma going into Saturday. Do you prop up Mitchell Trubisky, who is going to be the starter once again? Do you say, you know what, this guy's really dangerous. I mean, in reality, he sucks and sucks really bad. But do you prop him up just to make sure the karma gods out there don't unleash their fury upon you as they have so many different times? You cross your fingers and hope that Jonathan Taylor is back. You know, maybe they can like early or whatever, may tape the football or something to his hand. <laughs> can he play with a big pocket? No, seriously. That is a must-win against the Steelers. And Saturday around here is going to be absolutely bonkers. Have you thought about it? So you got Michael Lewis's Ball State Cardinals and my Sycamores coming in on Saturday afternoon at Gambridge Fieldhouse and then followed by the Boilermakers in Arizona, which I believe at the same time that you're going to have the Steelers and the Colts downtown is going to be great. It's always great to have those events, right? Especially during the holiday season. I'm assuming a lot of you probably, or a lot of your kids are out of school and a lot of you are going to be running around with a little bit of free time, errands to run, whatever. But man, you got to carve out some time. You got IU in Kansas down in Bloomington. Do I, should I get into IU's game in Atlanta? How many of you, again, a show of hands, how many of you? YouTube Live inside the lounge actually drove down to Atlanta to watch that. You saw about 12 minutes of good hoop. And then after that, it was stinking awful. Maybe not even 12. Yeah, I think 12 is probably giving it too much credit. To get absolutely rolled by Auburn. Boilermakers go north of the border and get a win over a pesky Alabama team. They were pesky, too. If you watch that. And then came Saturday night. Then came Saturday night. I normally am incredibly hardcore. And I will be a little bit. But for me, being critical, this remains to be seen. So everybody kind of wondered how that championship game was going to go. And clearly the Lakers, and not even with LeBron James, I mean, Anthony Davis – 
I mean, Anthony Davis said Miles go sit in the corner, and Miles had to go sit in the corner, whether it's in foul trouble or not. I mean, they just got worked by Anthony Davis. And then Austin Reeves had 22 in the first half. He could not be stopped. It's funny. I was sitting there watching that, and I wanted to, and I, and I still want to see them show out in that environment. And I got to tell you this. So I was down at my mom's for a little bit, and I don't know what's going on with the direct TV where she is down in Greene County in southern Indiana. But she didn't get the ABC, ABC affiliate out of Terre Haute. I don't even know what the hell that is. I think it used to be Channel 38 or something. Hell, I don't know. Whatever it is. It's the ABC affiliate in Terre Haute. So um, she had to watch it, and then I had to watch some of it on ESPN2. And it was the it was like Kevin Hart and Patrick Beverly and three Lakers dudes, three Laker fans, and it was awful. It was awful. I know that I'm old and crusty, farty, all of that. I do. But I do also believe that I have a good enough to be critical eye on who in the world would want to be watching that. It was awful. And everybody's got to do something now. Since this whole Manning and Eli thing happened, everything and every sport has always got to come with a companion of a breakdown and some comedy or something and kind of outside the world of sports. That's the thing I don't know. Maybe that does work. Maybe I'm wrong. But for somebody that was kind of forced because DirecTV sucks, was kind of forced into watching that, it was a brutality. <laughs> A brutality. I tell you all the time, it's a damn good thing. I don't necessarily need these guys to tell me what I'm seeing. Yeah, I know. You guys thought you guys thought that Doc Rivers and uh, Doris Burke, which, by the way, I'm sorry. If you're missing Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, that's rightly so. I don't dislike either of the two that they brought in, either Doc Rivers or Doris Burke. They've both been on the show, and they've both been nice. But I would a thousand times still rather hear, if I'm going to have to listen to it, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson break it down than I would them. And this is not just me kind of living in, well, you live in the past tense all the time. No, this is somebody that just thought that if you're in terms of looking for state-of-the-art in the NBA right now, nationally speaking, if you're ESPN, that certainly was more that was certainly more than what you have right now. Like TNT is that. TNT is that with you know the pre and halftime and post game studio set there. But I would much rather have a TNT than that. I don't know how that's gonna work. But you guys thought you had it bad. I had to watch that with Kevin Hart. I don't even know who the three guys were. Do you know who the three guys were? They're like all crying for the Lakers the entire time. Called the Plastic Cup Boys. Holy God, are you kidding? What the hell is that? There are three guys that grew up uh, hanging out with Kevin Hart. He's running along with him. (laughs) That's all I got for you. I don't know what they do. Three guys. They're running around with it. It was awful. It was awful. Oh, I'm trying to watch it. I actually, I said, hey, and I didn't, I, I actually came back and watched the second half up here. But I was watching, you know where they have on DirecTV, they have your sports mix where they have all the little boxes of stuff you can just immediately go to. I was like watching it on that box. 
I, I was watching it on that. Go, please, anything but this. Uh, but no, that's taking away from what was the fact. The Pacers, the Pacers just were not at the level of competitive that you want them to be. And if you're asking me, was I disappointed in Miles? Absolutely. He got absolutely worked over by Anthony Davis. And I expect more. And I've expected more out of these guys for a while. I don't know what you're going to get tonight. And I'll tell you coming up in a minute, while Saturday was disappointing, we're going to see if we're really going to be disappointed and how they respond tonight. And we'll talk about that coming up in a bit. But Miles was worked. Buddy Heald couldn't knock down a shot. Bruce Brown was a no-show. Three guys, three starters, three veterans with no-shows right there, and you're just not going to be able to get out of that. And it is anything. And I know people say, well, they called a foul on Miles, and, and, you know, be that as it may. You've got to come up with something better than that. And then you know what happens after the game? Like, everybody like, cuts loose on me. Your guy, your boy, all that stuff. And see, a lot of you don't understand my retorts. My retorts are as follows. It is okay. I, I'm going to be critical all day of 33. I'm going to be critical all day of how the Pacers didn't, un, didn't play to the level in which we wanted. But the thing that I don't deal with, and the reason why I come at you is you can't be just one. Like, I'm fair. I'm going to come on here every day. I'm going to be involved in social media. The good, the bad, whatever, I'm going to be there. You cannot be mammoth wuss that just comes in there because it's gone bad. Because, honestly, on Thursday night, I didn't hear a damn thing from any one of you. Not one of you. And, again, there's only a handful of dumbasses out there, but I didn't hear from that handful of dumbasses on Thursday. So that's just my rule. My rule is if I have to hear you, and let me see if I can get this right here. If I get a a tone of buttholishness from you, then I'm going to come back at you. I don't start, but I will finish. But if it's just a, a a simple back and forth, sure. And no doubt, couldn't hit anything. I tell you, the worst moment for Miles to me in what was it, a 41 and 20 outburst from Anthony Davis was early on, and nobody was tired. First quarter. And when Miles got beat down the floor by Anthony Davis, I think for a dunk, maybe it was a layup or a dunk, but he got beat down the floor. Didn't get back. When he got beat down the floor by Anthony Davis, that's when I thought, you know what, this is problematic. Somebody needs to reset him, and basically he didn't get reset the entire time. And that's what's going to befall this Pacer team if guys like that don't bring it. And I don't care if it was a national, nationally televised game. I don't care the implications of this being the first ever in-season tournament. I just go by how he and they play. Now, you can look at it on the bright side if you want. Now they know. Well, he should already know. Bruce Brown should already know. Yeah, Buddy Heald's still learning. But those two guys should already know. 
The rest of this Pacer team, now you realize what happens. You realize what happens when a team uh, – honestly, I thought I thought the Pacers made Darvin Ham look like Red Arbaugh. Seriously. <laughs> Darvin Ham looked like a stinking genius with what he did defensively. And I don't know that he is. Maybe he is. Maybe I've just missed it. But a lot of those guys that had not – been in those situations that were now you understand what's going to come at you and furthermore hopefully you understand what's going to come at you in the regular season it was a three four day love fest with tnt and with espn with their nba coverage for the first time since when 14 13 we got to go 10 years ago i mean that love didn't come here at that level during the uh, short-lived Oladipo Sabonis era. You got to go back 10 years for that level of love. And it came fast. It came furious. And you know what? It's great. It's a good thing. They needed that. They needed to be showcased. All of that. And all that's not going to disappear. But what it's going to do is going to magnify the effort you're going to get from other teams. And what it better do, it better magnify the effort that you give on a nightly basis. I'm not suggesting they have to play tonight the way that they did against Milwaukee on Thursday or Boston on Monday. You're going to have a dead-ass environment in Detroit because nobody cares and their team sucks, but you cannot come out tonight and play at the level in which the Pistons normally play because we're all past that now. With all that love and euphoria that was received by this Pacer team leading up to Saturday night, we are all past that. You cannot come out tonight and stink it up. You have to respond on Wednesday night because I damn sure bet you that Milwaukee remembers Thursday of last week. I bet Damian Lillard remembers Thursday of last week. So they're going to bring it to you probably like nobody's business mid-December in an NBA schedule coming up on Wednesday in Milwaukee. You elevate along with getting the love and receiving the love and embracing that, you also have to consistently elevate your game. And that's everybody. That's what I expect. So you erase all the stats, you move forward, but tonight is something that hopefully you get to tune in and watch because I cannot wait to see how they respond. I've heard everybody talking today, well, it's going to be a natural letdown. It's going to be a natural hangover. Yeah, no, no. I don't care that you have elevated your profile. You've got to live with that. The last thing you want to do is disappoint with that or have people calling you phony if you don't live up to it. That comes with being a professional. Uh, we got that to talk about the Colts. We'll get back to that as well. A little collegiate stuff, too. I'll take a break and come back. Remember, I got to bail at 530. So you're going to manually, Kurt, Kurt's in studio again for James, who's on vacation. Manually tell me who's on the phones today, are you? I love it. You want to just hold it up? You want to write it on the dry erase board over there? We can do that if we'll you do want it to do it. Style. Yeah, just write it. Yeah. <laughs> Here's who was on. 239-1070. If you want to get on here, you certainly can. And we got enough to talk about here. 
Stephen Holder in the 5 o'clock hour, the only guest that we have right now. And again, we bail at 5.30. To start the week and a disappointing weekend for many, but we'll see if these two teams, and you got one tonight that starts that in the Pacers and then a must-win for the Colts coming up on Saturday. That is going to be a dizzying type of experience if you're coming downtown, I'm telling you. Should be absolutely outstanding. All right, two times you can meet me coming up and hang with me, drink with me, cuss me, whatever you want to do. And it's going to be interesting. I believe we go Whiskey Business Northeast, Whiskey Business South on Thursday and Friday. That's the first time, too. All right, let me take a break, and we'll come back at 239-1070. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Hopefully you guys are in there. Great to see you. Participate, watch, listen. Stream the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. There you go, Matt Taylor right there on the call yesterday. Very disappointing game, no doubt about that. 34-14, your final Bengals over the Colts. Seven and six right now are the Colts. Bengals the same. Colts, as of right now, they're peeking in the seven spot, hanging on by a thread. And thus, you look at that Steeler game on Saturday, and that's an absolute must win. Don't give me any other garbage saturday must win territory inside the lounge via youtube live i'd love to see you guys in there too i'll read off some of the things you have to say regarding the sports weekend whether you agree or disagree with a lot of my takes again i brought this up a little bit earlier and brian responded via x he says the colts are far away it's lame to be happy with an okay team fighting for a playoff spot hold on a minute I don't know if anybody is happy with overall what is going on, but barely if anybody felt they would even be close to this situation right now. I'm not suggesting you're happy for the way that it is right now, but the alternative of me talking about the durability in December of Anthony Richardson in the future is something I don't want to contend with right now. So I'm glad we're talking about this team. I I just, I understand what you're saying because like me, Brian, you're sick and tired of talking about losing. I understand that. But this product was not what they were thinking. And if you find yourself in the pool, you might as well try to swim that makes sense to you brian continues let's not be fooled by bad competition i I don't think anybody is i think we've broken that down if you're going to have the opportunity to go in you go in that's what i'm saying i have a lot of the same criticisms like we're going to still be critical it's not like that's going to go away it's not like oh darn it you know they lost that game yesterday Of these teams that we have seen recently, even without Joe Burrow, that was by far the best. I get what you're saying because oftentimes I do feel the same way. That's why I like to expedite the whole process of winning around here because so many people want to wait. I want to wait to see what they can do and build for the future. And, you know, you want to embrace like squirrels with wintertime nuts in their oak tree. Embrace those 2029 draft picks. Oh, the future, blah, blah. I I want to win right now, but I also understand winning right now. I don't know how much effect, if at all, that's going to have on what they foresee being the future. And let me tell you this, Brian, there is nothing hashed out on that. 
That is still within question. But if you're in it, you might as well win it, regardless of your schedule. That's my thought. And that's been my thought the entire time. Hey, JMV, please don't recap the game. Let's just move on to Saturday's game. Yeah, we got to recap the game. Uh, JMV, I just don't understand how the Pacers were supposed to beat the Lakers playing four guards in a big. They must have had 100 points in the paint. Make it make sense. I, Jeffrey, I'll be honest with you. It was all Anthony. You, you got to come up with something a little bit more resistance than what they had for Anthony Davis. I mean, between Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves, that was it. You just had three guys, three guys you have to count on that brought you absolutely nothing. And that's what's going to happen. That's going to happen with a lot of matchups, Jeffrey. So to me, it wasn't even even bigs versus smalls or anything like that. It was just three guys in the starting lineup that were your veteran players that were no-shows, of which this team cannot get past. It's from Brandon. Pacers better not lay an egg tonight. No letdown tonight. Not after the exposure that they had. Detroit is bad and no excuse to take care of business this evening. Brandon, I have said this already. My expectations have risen with this team. They enjoyed all the spotlight that they had basically in this past week. You lose all that goodwill and good fortune built if you go out there and screw the pooch tonight. Seriously. Seriously, I don't want to hear anything about hangovers or will you go from that to this and it's just going to take a while to get up. Be professional. You have shown what you're capable of doing. Now what you have to show is that you're consistent in doing it and that you also can get past when the spotlight in Las Vegas isn't on you or better said, we're in India, Detroit and nobody gives a crap like two people up there covering the game. You got to get past that now. All right, 239 is the number. Stephen Holder is going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour inside the lounge via YouTube Live, where we're up and running and humming right now. Get in there. You can check me. I get the microphone. We can't let the microphone, Kurt, take away from my handsome and chiseled features right here. Hey, by the way, too, shout out to Joe's Grill, my man Nally. Raising money yesterday for Peyton Manning's Children's Hospital. I went up there after the Colts pregame huddle, and they have that annual chili cook-off. And always outstandingly raising money. My friend Nally and Joe's Grill and the Castleton location. And Brent Halverson was up there with me with Heaven Hill. It was a fantastic time. Romy and Sarah, I want to thank Nally for the invitation. I believe that's my fourth consecutive time at the Chili Cook-Off, and it was absolutely outstanding for a great cause. And, yes, I did see – I saw the Southside millionaire that passed away and wanted to give away his $13 million to local charities. And I saw Margaret Sheehan of Teacher's Treasures be a part of that story, getting over a million dollars, I think a million and a half for Teacher's Treasures. That is outstanding. Well done. Love that story. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Is Russell ready to go over there, Kurt? Russell, welcome to the show. How are you? Tell you, you said, uh, what were you doing during the score? Yes. I was sitting at a casino, and I went up to order a drink, and I got the drink, and there was nobody in front of me now. Got the drink and walked back to my seat, 
and they scored 14 points. <laughs> That's got to be a record. JB. I don't you. think you could do that again anywhere at any time that fast. I don't think anymore as long as it takes for me to, like, urinate, go to the back. I don't know if I could do that in the time that it took for them to score. And that means the rest of the game offensively was a joke. Seriously, that that in, that's in real time too, Russell, real time. Hey, I went back to the bar three times and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> that is brutal. Russell, anything Thanks. else? That's it. Thanks. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Nah, that's Russell. I, I'm keep, I hit the off button because I'm always trying to hang up on the callers, and I did that just out of – it's weird. I it's we're in a new studio and not everything is done yet. And I normally, as Kurt can attest to this, Kurt's in for James today. I normally run things on my own and it's weird not to. So uh JMV, it did make sense. A D always has his way with us. I I it's one way to have your way, but that is way, way too much of having your way. A 40-plus, 20-rebound game is way too much. It's from Dick. I like Turner, but when it comes to elite bigs, he cannot manage. Well, honestly, who are we talking about here? Are we talking about Davis in that game? We're talking about Embiid. We're talking about Giannis. Uh, let's see how many dudes can manage that. It is incredibly difficult. I'm right there with you. That's disappointing as hell to me. And then I had to... I shouldn't say I had to sit through it because it was some high comedy on Saturday. Just get to hear from a a lot of dudes that I never get to hear from. Hand me that again, would you? (laughs) God. Hey, here's what we're going to do right in front of the camera right here. (laughs) Yeah. I should have been down here, I think, during the execution of this. No, I expect a lot more, and there was uh, criticism and rip jobs that were deserved. Everything going okay inside the lounge via YouTube Live right here? I see Matthew and Maine saying that maybe the sound wasn't great. You guys okay there? We all coming through loud and clear? Give me some thumbs up. Would I call that a virtual thumbs up inside the lounge via YouTube Live? Uh, Bill's up next to 239-1070. Welcome to the show, Bill. Hey, JMV, how you doing? Missed you the other day, brother. Missed you the other day. Oh, I did I did too, but man, business is going to be good this week because we've got business on both sides of town. So looking forward to at least getting up to Pendleton Pike and uh yes. and, and seeing everybody. But uh I I came away from the Colt game thinking that maybe our most viable player is Matt Gay. Because I don't know where I was watching the game, and then by the body language, it looked like uh, some of the players when he missed that field goal and he Vanderjet at that extra point. I mean, it, it just made you know for somebody that has saved the Colts all year, and the Colts have been saved by the by the kicking game by by Matt Gay. And if he's not totally on, then I don't see where you know being down two points, you know, only getting six on the touchdown and. And not getting the extra point, it just seemed like that was the kind of thing that uh, 
that really took the, uh, a lot of the steam out of the Colts. But uh, no excuse or anything like that. But, but, hey, but he I will won. answer this really quick, too. I, I think that that fair or unfair is something that you have to count on from him 100% of the time. And that that's how you feel. I don't know if it's so much if, you know, that's that's the reason why. But if you're this team and it's makeup offensively right now, you have to count on him giving you points when given the opportunity 100% of the time. Fair or unfair? That's the way that I it think, is. I, I, think it's, I think it's totally fair. So, and as far as the Pacers go tonight, uh, uh, this is the, the kind of game that the Pacers in the past would, would just totally mail in. But, you know, you got to remember, this team is built to score, not to play defense. And if they're, you know, you you live by the outside shot, you die by the outside shot. And they they died by the outside shot against the Lakers. Let's see if they can do it uh, against the Pistons. But, uh, yeah, that was really brutal. And we'll talk more about it in the whiskey business. You got it, buddy. Billy, I'll see you up there coming up on Thursday. That's our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna's Ultigida Shots Week 15. Whiskey Business on Pendleton Pike, and I believe our Bud Light Blue Fridays at Whiskey Business on the south side off of Southport Road. I believe that to be the case. Anybody else happen to just stumble upon the, uh, what do they call those? Now the multicast, whatever that is, with Kevin Hart on ESPN2. Good Lord. And again, I was forced into it <laughs> thanks to DirecTV because they suck like Tegna sucks and Channel 13 sucks. They suck just like that, and apparently there's also a sucky station that's an ABC affiliate in Terre Haute. So I'm thinking, I'm going to watch this, and I see that it's on ESPN2, and I go, okay, we're saved here. Oh, well, wait a minute. What is this? They're like talking about the Sixers the entire time. What are those dudes called again? The plastic dudes? What? Plastic cup boys. Oh, God. (laughs) I will say this. I would have a thousand times rather have just listened to Patrick Beverly talk than I would those guys. The Plastic Cup Boys. It was a brutality, and I was forced into it. Forced into it. All right, Pacers here coming up later on tonight after Colts Roundtable coming at you at 5.30 until 6.30. Pre-game from Detroit with Mark Boyle and company comes your way at 6.30, and then 7 o'clock is the tip. And I don't want to hear any excuses about this. I don't want to hear anything about hangovers or, well, you know, it's just such a downer. You go to Detroit and that team from what they had gone through the past week. I don't want to hear any, and I mean none of these excuses, zero from anybody. Quick break. We'll come back with you, Stephen Holder, 5 o'clock hour. 239-1070 is the number. Unfortunately, a lot of losing went on around here this weekend. We're covering it all for you. We'll drop in some winning, too. Shout out to the Boilermakers and Butler and the Indiana State with that in mind. 93-5107, the fan. It's uh, Matt Taylor right there. And as I mentioned, Bill had mentioned this last hour, and then I kind of piggybacked off of it. Hour number two of the show, thank you for joining us. Various ways in which you can tune in. But Matt Gay is an asset of this Colts team you have to count on 100% of the time. There are many other avenues in which things went haywire and wrong yesterday. Certainly on the defensive side, everybody should be talking about that because they had no answer whatsoever for every single screen that's to start the game. And then 
with that pick six with Ronnie Harrison, it looked like that Jake Browning looked like he saw a ghost or something a little bit. He thought, all right, so maybe now that's in his head. But they go to the half, come back out, and what did they do? They went right back to the screen game with little to no resistance. And listen, I know that there were bad calls. And I know that if you're going to look at a couple of the calls, that first touchdown, the legal block in the back with Karras, uh, in this case versus Kenny Moore, um, there there was definitely a couple of calls. But I, I just didn't see it still being as close as to what you thought it was going to be. Not at all. So that was my thought the entirety of the time. And this team, listen, I said this last week, and we were coming off a Colts win, that you're just going to have to balance the fact that this is going to be a roller coaster ride throughout. And I know some of you, you know, are looking at this as, all right, well, this is not a good team. It's not a good team. It is not a good team. But while you're here, you might as well try to cash in on the good fortune that you've had. You got to do that. And yesterday, with opportunities, they didn't. And then you put yourself in the situation on Saturday to where it's a must win. It is a must win or... We'll still be talking about the postseason, but you're going to have to have a myriad of help in that postseason. Yeah, I did just see this from the Detroit News. There was a lot swirling around, and frankly, I don't really care about it. I know a lot of you don't care about it. Shout out to Gritty for sending me this, too. But basketball coach Jawan Howard was involved in an altercation with longtime strength and conditioning coach John Sanderson during practice last week. So, yeah, you kind of wonder if it's uh, done time for Jawan Howard in Michigan. Again, I know you guys don't care about that. Hey, JMV, what's worse? The Colts lost to a quarterback that had a thumb cramp. I guess I just don't have the bar of expectation game in and game out as high as a lot of you. You just... You just don't know what you're going to get with a team that's decent. That's what they are. They're decent. They're decent in a group of decent teams, and those teams are decent either above or below average, more than likely because of a significant injury. When you look at those teams around them, look at those teams trying to jump back in. I know Buffalo's trying to jump back in now. But you come into that game on Saturday against a Pittsburgh team that you should be able to handle with your defense and their offense. The thing that scares you is what about your offense? Because if there's something you have not been able to count on, it has been that. So that's where you go. Jonathan Taylor on Saturday, maybe, maybe not. Uh, We shall see. The decision evidently is still up in the air, but it would would be beneficial 
in a game like yesterday, and I know that everybody fell in love with Zach Moss, and there was a reason to do, but you know, right now it, it just has been different in the past two weeks. You just cannot find anything. And then teams teams really at all don't respect your passing game, and then when you can't find anything against the run, you're just you kind of left with crossing your fingers and hoping, and believe me, I know you Colts fans have been doing a lot of that anyway. Uh, Pace is a loser on Saturday night. Disappointment was there. There is no question about that. Letting in, uh, letting Anthony Davis go off of the fashion in which he did, that was terrible. Austin Reeves off the bench, 22 in the first half. That was terrible. But I will tell you this regarding the Pacers. All in all, that was a tremendous first annual in-season tournament for them in the NBA. It was still beneficial. Now, you can lose it. You can lose it if you mess around. If you jack around tonight or this week with Milwaukee midweek, because you know that they're going to have this thing highlighted after last Thursday, or with Washington, and then you get a good team in Minnesota, you immediately go on the road. There is leave no doubt tonight type of stuff. And I mentioned this in hour number one. I have heard hangovers, and I have heard, well, the fact you're coming off that type of week, and then you have to go to Detroit, who's lost 7,000 consecutive games, haven't won basically since October. You know, how can you get up for that game? It's because that is the expectation for you as a professional to do. These guys are all looking for these learning moments, these teaching moments that you're having to hopefully grow into a better team, a much more playoff-worthy competitive team, and this is just part of it. Honestly, that's probably how the Lakers felt when they played the Pacers on Saturday night. Oh, yeah, great. They didn't need that. LeBron James didn't need that. Anthony Davis didn't need that. I will say, well, Anthony Davis acted like he needed that. They didn't need that. I mean, hell, that's a regular Saturday night most of the time for them. That's two nights a week during the work week for them. Yeah, they didn't need that, but they got up. They worked it professionally and found. uh, The other thing that they did, they, they put length on Tyrese Halliburton and tried to get that ball out of his hands. Tyrese Halliburton in the first couple of minutes had more turnovers, I think two, than he did in the game prior. The entirety of that game. I don't know if it was just offensively from a Pacer standpoint and the fact that Miles was awful. You know, Buddy Heald didn't play well. Bruce Brown didn't play well. But they made, I thought coaching made Darvin Ham look like a genius. And they just attacked, they attacked Tyrus Halliburton differently than what we have seen. There was no comfort going on there with Halliburton. And then you add in Anthony Davis scoring it well. And then at times it seems like the Lakers got what they wanted with relative ease. And make no mistake, 33 has just, you got to get, you got to be better. Just a little bit of resistance. And he would be one of those that I would expect that would be ultimately up for that game. You went 10-7. and seven, That didn't work out that way. 
But Anthony Davis in that huge performance, and again, that's a Laker team that didn't need that. But they found a way, and that's, to a lesser degree, what the Pacers have to find beginning tonight is a motivation not to be a phony, a motivation not to be a fraud. Now, anybody can play in that environment like it was against the Celtics a week ago tonight. You know, anybody can go to Vegas and play at that level, be talked about, thoroughly enjoy that, getting all the national writers in your press conferences, caring about your team, caring about you as a player now, unlike you have ever seen. I mean, you can play in that with relative ease. Now, the scrutiny can wear on you if you don't perform well, but you can. You can adapt to that environment and embrace that environment. But the tougher thing is going to be going to Detroit where really nobody's going to care. So you can't mess around with that thing tonight. All right, we got that. I mentioned the Boilermaker win over Alabama. IU's loss to Auburn. We got a big weekend coming up in a Colts must-win situation against the Steelers. Last check, the Colts right now hanging on in the seven hole by virtue of a couple of tie breaks. I think that final tie break that puts them in that standing right now is the one over Houston. And uh, Houston had a big-time struggle yesterday. 34-14, your final Bengals over the Colts. That and more, 4 o'clock hour, a lot of calls. And Tim is up next at 239-1070. Hello, Tim. How are you? Hey, great, John. How are you doing? Fantastic. Go ahead. So, listen, I had the good fortune yesterday to sit in the south end zone to be able to watch the game. And one of the things that really jumped out at me is if someone goes to watch the film, Gardner Minshew lines up in the shotgun facing to the right. His left leg is forward. His right leg is facing to the right. And so he never looks to the left side. I counted five times where Pierce was wide open beating his guy. And Minshew never even looked that way because he's already automatically looking to the right for Pittman. If Pittman's not there, he checks down immediately to the running back or somebody else. The only time they go to Pierce or even the touchdown to Allie Cox was when their number was called, and that's who he has to go to. So I want your thoughts on that and what what they can do to rectify that. And secondly, you look at the game that Stephon Gilmore had yesterday. Boy, if we still had him, right? What a difference! Yeah, so, yeah. That's all I got. He's had, yeah, he's had. And thank you for the call, too, Tim. Yeah, he's talking about Gilmore making plays for the Cowboys last night. Let me tell you, Gilmore is in a place right now where Gilmore wants to be. And that was with a team that has the possibility of winning it all. And we'll be right up there among those teams suggested that should. Uh, You were talking about Alec Pierce. I've often questioned this, and we've gone back and forth regarding Pierce. Is it Pierce that doesn't get open, that can't get separation? Is it Pierce that, you know, is, is not ready for that next step? But I think we've all figured out to this point that it is more the quarterback that has been unable to deliver him the football. And that's that to me, we've gone back and forth on this a number of times. But to me, with Alec Pierce, I, I think that his production or lack thereof at times is, again, directly tied to the quarterback not seeing, not being able to get it to him, 
And let's face it, how many times are you going to trust Minshew going down the field to try to get, you know, what you want out of Alec Pierce in the first place? I mean, the comfort is, you know, in in short routes, crossing routes with Michael Pittman Jr. That's clearly the comfort. Yeah, think about Josh Downs. Josh Downs, since that injury, has been relatively non-existent. There are a lot of things where you can say the backup quarterback, he's helped get you here and all that, but there are still more, more detriments to that than there are favorable circumstances for it. And that's what that comes down to. Anybody else with me? As far as wanting to know defensively why you just continued to take the onslaught of screen passes as I guess they felt like they should do. That was incredibly odd to me too. You just kind of sat back and you took it the entire time. I know you thought, you thought just maybe, especially after that pick six, you thought just maybe that things were going to change. Because that's what you want to do. You want to sprinkle a little bit of doubt into the backup quarterback who was coming off just an incredible week, a Monday for the ages for him. And you wanted to, you, you were hoping to take away that confidence, and I thought that pick six, you could kind of tell that there was an effect going on with Browning. And then they go to the half. And I know Colts fans just tied up at 14, you're feeling good, and then all of a sudden – they come back out, go back to that screen game, and again, do whatever they want. They weren't trying to do anything more. I mentioned that earlier. If I were going to tell you the stats of Higgins, Chase, and Boyd, you would take that. You would take that. But it wasn't them that offensively they were so worried about. It was just keeping their quarterback, their backup quarterback, comfortable. And the Colts never other than that pick six, it seemed, got them out of that comfort level, that comfort zone. be interesting to hear Rick Venturi's take on Colts Roundtable later on tonight with that in mind. Because I don't know about anybody else, that had to drive you nuts. It's like the same thing it felt like over and over again. Yeah, they were also able to run the ball. I mean, Joe Mixon is a talented guy, had 79 yards, and certainly running it when they needed to run it. And I think it's also fair to point out the fact that the Colts only had 46 yards of total rushing and 28 from Zach Moss is that this season the Bengals' forte at all has not been stopping the run. They haven't been that great at it. Looked pretty good at it on 18 attempts yesterday because it was an absolute non-factor for this Colts and their offense. All right, 239-1070. Stephen Holder coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll talk a little bit more about this game. Uh, Any Pacers thoughts, if you agree with me about it, we raised the bar on this entire thing right now, and rightly so. Am I the only one? I'm not suggesting they're going to be a one seed or a top three seed, but we have raised the bar on that. Or is that this just going to be a blip? Is this just going to be like a one week moment? Oh, wow, that's great. And is it going to go back to, you know, getting that loss at home to Charlotte, to Chicago, to the Raptors, to the Blazers? 
Is it going to be a deflated show up in Detroit tonight? Because I'm telling you, we talk about all these ways that you can learn and you can you can be a better player, you can be a better team. Being professional under these circumstances is something else that you can learn. And that is not downplaying it with a bad team on the road coming off all the celebration that was Las Vegas over the past four days. I just don't want them to look like that. I don't want to have to come in here tomorrow and say, oh, well, great. And I don't want to have to hear about any learning experiences. This should be easy. In terms of understanding what you need to do, not in terms of going in there and winning, but it should be easy with understanding who you want to be and then coming out of this past week being closer to that or being down the path to becoming that, you can't fall back to what a lot of you are thinking. A lot of you are thinking exactly what I'm thinking. I think that to me, I'm going to put more value in moving forward on their response tonight than I would the Lakers crossing that up and and beating them in that final. Yeah, it would have been great, but those stats don't matter. The Colts, check that, the Pacers got out of that week exactly what was necessary to get out of it. But sustaining that is going to be the toughest, being able to sustain that. And that's my expectation. I don't want to hear about any hangover or trap game or any garbage like that. By the way, Wednesday in Milwaukee, can you imagine how loaded up and ready to go they're going to be? And I am with you. I had a great week of talking about the Pacers. That was fun as hell. Thursday was fun. Last Monday was fun. You guys packed that place just to watch it on Saturday night. That was instilling enthusiasm into a product when under normal circumstances at that level, it was not going to be close. That is invaluable. But you just can't let this weather and blow away. You got to be able to play off of it. And again, that is also about raising your game. But raising your game from being a professional. You know, the Lakers were professional on Saturday night talented and professional now again they've all been down that path prior but that is the very reason that I'm talking about with the Pacers tonight on a much smaller scale the Lakers the Lakers made that thing to me look like that they absolutely cared about what was going to transpire and nobody I mean nobody needed that needed that stage Needed that cup, needed all of that pomp and circumstance less than the Lakers. Man, they were fired up and ready to go. Like Anthony Davis, he needed that, but he put it to Miles and then basically everybody else like crazy. And did not relent, did not stop. That's a part of being professional. Frank's at 239-1070. Frank, welcome to the show. Yes, John. The best sports story of the weekend was the Fever winning the draft lottery again. So they're going to get Caitlin Clark from Iowa? Is that uh, what you're anticipating? Because she's got one more year of eligibility. I, I always forget 
or I'm confused by, you know, who is still getting yeah. another year from COVID and all that. But she's got one more year of eligibility if she wants. Could she make more money in NIL <laughs> staying at Iowa than she could as a first overall selection in the WNBA? Well, I'm not sure about it, but I know the Fever's wins would go up and their attendance would go up. Yes, it would. <laughs> I think you got to find a way, don't you, to make sure that she is ready to start her professional career, right? If that's yeah, your intention exactly. of going. I just I just wonder, I would bet, I would fairly guess that she, she could make more money in a final year at Iowa through NIL than she could out of the WNBA. You. I bet she'd like to end up in Indiana, though, instead of one of the bigger markets. Anything else, Frank? That should do it. Frank, you call any time. That was a big deal over the weekend. What do you guys think? Anybody inside the lounge via YouTube Live, can you tell me right now whether or not you think – I would bet that she could make more money still in Iowa. With all without all how that works, I guess. Uh, JMV, what do you think about Lance being back in the G League? Yeah, good for him. I like Lance. It's just the story of Lance here has moved on, but the legend and the story of Lance, as long as we're allowed to soak it up, I'm cool with it. It's from Nate. The trap is thinking the Pacers are further along than they are currently. People need to remember what kind of record we thought that they would be at the beginning of the year. I said 46. It's barely above 500. People think we're going to be a 55-plus win team. I'm not suggesting that at all, Nate. I just want them to take care of what they should take care of. I've said this a number of times. What I was most disappointed in Four of those losses, not even including the blowout loss at home to Orlando because Orlando's legit. But I was certainly disappointed in four of those losses, and those four losses count. Like I look at Saturday night, none of that crap counts. Buddy and Miles shooting, wipe it away, it doesn't count. You know, win-loss record doesn't count. And again, they already made they made their footprint in the sand already earlier in the week. But, you know, tonight counts. And I look back at those four disappointing performances at home as those counting. So I do agree with you on that. But I expect a little bit more now in terms of growth and understanding of what it takes. And I think that dose starts coming up tonight. Quick break. We'll come back with you, Stephen Holder of ESPN, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Colts hanging on to the seven seed, and they have a must-win situation against the Steelers. That is coming up on Saturday afternoon. Pacers in Detroit later on tonight. We'll take a quick break and come back. 239-1070 inside the lounge via YouTube Live. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Oh, that's Eddie Gilmar Boyle right there on the Pacers radio network. It started nice, right? with that corner three from Buddy Hill. That was about it for him. And uh, again, uh, Miles gets worked by Anthony Davis. 41-20-4 blocks for the uh, motivated former Kentucky standout right there. And you can imagine. You can imagine what I had on the old Twitter or X account on Saturday evening. (laughs) But again, I, I state... I state my case. I'm always here 
as I've been critical today and will be critical during the bad moments and will be positive and will say good things if there are productive games. That's how I, But the problem I have, uh, my problem is with the wussies out there that only come during the bad times. I only Like Chase Sanders, I only hear from this guy during the bad times. And I will call you out. If you don't want called out, don't send anything. I mean, I man up and I take it. And if you're going to send it, I'm assuming you're going to man up and you're going to take it too. Especially with all that stuff about going to the locker room and leaving the floor before the rest of the team. What are you guys, out of your mind? And I know what they said on the broadcast, but let's just face it. That broadcast anymore is nothing like what it once was. You miss Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. All you have to do is give credit where credit is due and be critical when it's time to be critical. That's called being fair. And that's what I do. That's how I am. Yeah, it's brutal. Absolutely awful is what it was. But you got to be fair. Otherwise, otherwise I'm going to come back at you if you send something to me. And then furthermore, I'm going to make fun of you because everybody cries about, oh, you got to be fair. You got to be truthful. Well, No. I didn't hear a damn thing on Thursday. I just heard everything from a handful on Saturday. That's not how that works. We can all be critical together today, if you like. There's plenty to be critical about. That's why I tell you, it's a handful of people that want to gripe about it. But I always say this, this is not how sports talk radio on this market gets along. People wear out on being critical. People love and thoroughly enjoy and will not stop embracing the positive. It's just how this market is. I've been doing this for 19 years. And I don't care what any consultant or any clown wants to tell me about it. I know better than they do. I don't care if you write an article. I don't care if you have an article in a magazine. I don't care where you work. If you don't work in this market and you haven't for 19 years, you don't know as much about it as I do. And that's how it works. It is always going to be the positive being much better. That's why when you look back at last week for the Pacers, that was so good here. Like when I talked to Aaron Neesmith on Friday on this show, live from Coaches Downtown, that was like the the pinnacle of the week. The pinnacle of the week. And, And the best part about it from a Pacers standpoint is they scored that win in the court of public opinion. And remember, there are a lot of people out there that hadn't seen them. Because you don't get Bally or can't get Bally or you didn't like Bally or you're taking a stand on your television provider, which, by the way, I don't mind anymore if you do. Because as I've always said, there's not a good one out there. There may be one at the moment better than the other, but they are all at some point in time going to screw you. All of them. Because they don't care about you. See, that's a good thing about where you are right now. We bring you in and we embrace, right? And there's no cover charge. They're going to give you a cover charge, and then oftentimes they're not going to give you the product that you pay for, and that's BS. 
So, no, last week was fantastic for the Pacers. And even minus that loss to the Lakers on Saturday night, I mean, even without that, it was good for the Pacers. I mean, I should say even with that, it was good for the Pacers. Just want to see him bounce back tonight. I can't see. I can't see kind of a dead on your rear end type of effort in Detroit tonight. I want to see them now, even if they're not going to be. I don't think anybody, especially me, suggesting they're going to be a 50 win team or anything like that. 55 wins, I think, as Nate suggested earlier. But you certainly possess the talent and the will to play at a much higher level, certainly on the defensive end than we had seen prior to the last three games. So I do want to see more than that. I don't think that's out of the realm. Again, it's not going to be lockdown defense or physicality of the Knicks from the 1990s, but they possess some tools to be better defensively than we have seen until the past three games. There's no question about that. Got to show us that. Uh, James at 239-1070. James, welcome to the show. How are you? Yeah, what's going on with you, JMB? Good to hear from you, James. Uh, I, I got a few things I want to say about these Pacers, man. First of all, man, I think they did a wonderful job getting there. However, uh, that being said, I think that uh, Carlisle should have threw everything, the kitchen sink, the front room, the living room, and everything at, at, at uh, the Lakers because he should have played every player he had to wear down Anthony Davis, even if it means playing Chiway or whatever his name he should have used everything, man, to try to beat them, man. That's what winners and people that goes for the juggler do, man. That's now, what I mean, you do. know what? It's, it's funny, and I don't have much room to stand on here, James, honestly, because I know that, that Daniel Tice wanted to bail. He wanted to get more time, and he wanted out of here anyway. But I was always hesitant about that. And then you factor in that Jalen Smith was unavailable. And people say, well, you know, it's only going to be a couple of times a year when it's going to become noticeable. You know what? It's like three times this year that's become noticeable. Three times. Yeah, it, and it, I know that has, doesn't seem like a lot, but that's that's to me a lot. I just yeah. – I, I just when, when you have depth and talk about having depth, then have depth. And I hated exactly. the fact that they were in a situation to where they felt that they needed to get rid of a veteran big man depth piece because they couldn't give him enough time. And, you know, lo and behold, they're like three or four times this year when they, they needed somebody like that. And again, that's not their problem because the guy wanted to bail. I understand that. But I just – in terms of talking – about depth, James, if you're going to have it, have it. I've never been worried about, you know, McConnell. Well, McConnell's going to stunt the growth of others. Well, too bad. Have the others play better then. Have them take the clock away from him. I want to make sure whoever is playing the best at that moment can get in there and play at that moment at their best. If you're going to talk about this team having depth, embrace this team having depth. Well, even with Tyson, Tyson showed me a lot when they played him, but at the same time, um, I hope that they don't make a mistake and, and, and trade somebody, man, and get the wrong person in here. Yeah, I know you want superstars, but I believe you need to let this play out with these young guys and see what you got at the end of the season and go from there. Do not make any moves that might be costly uh, at, at the end of the season, man. That, that That's my take on it. Hey, James, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. I, I will sit here before you right now and tell you, I don't think that there's any way that they're not going to make a move. Because you got James' opinion right there. And other Pacer fans can tell me this. 
Because there is a bit of a wave, even with the disappointment on Saturday, there is a bit of a wave here to ride. Don't you continue to ride that? Especially if it can make your team better? And this is not just me saying this. The team leader says it. Tyrese Halliburton says it. Second tired of losing. Wants to win right now. Ready to win right now. If you are afforded the opportunity to go for it right now, don't you go for it right now? And so that question coming up on the other side, too. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. Remember, I get a bail at 5.30 today because of Colts roundtable, followed by Pacer pregame. Pacers in Detroit later on tonight. Got you covered with Mark Boyle and Eddie Gill and Pat Boyland. Again, 5.30, I'm out. So 239-1070, you want to get in here inside the lounge via YouTube Live as well. 93.5, the fan. Hey, fellas, there's a lot of people talking about testosterone. I among them. Let's just do something about that right now and check out the Low T Center. They're going to give you the numbers that is necessary for you, and they're going to make it quick and easy for you. Low T Center is not like typical doctor's office where you have a long wait. Low T Center is going to get you exactly what you need, going to check your levels, going to get your numbers with physician-monitored self-inject treatments that you can ship directly to your door as well. So I'm talking about the overall convenience and the understanding you will know your numbers, your level of testosterone. Do that today at the Low T Center, only $25 to get your T level tested with results back in 25 minutes. That's lowtcenter.com to book your appointment online today. Lowtcenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. So Matt Taylor right there. The Colts scored like 14 points. And the time that would take you to get up out of your chair, go to the bathroom, and then come back. And that basically was all the offensive interest that you had in the entirety of the afternoon from Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati, 34-14. to 14. And I know you can say, well, I got a bad call here, a bad call there. The game was much closer than the final score would indicate. I disagree. Completely disagree. The Bengals won that without who we felt would be the biggest threat to win it for them. Again, look at that box score at their three targets at wide receiver. Three really higher-level wide receivers, one at the highest level. Look at their numbers, and you tell me that if you saw those numbers, first of all, you would take those numbers any day of the week if you saw them. And you look at those numbers, and then I tell you that the Colts lost by 20. Yeah, it was bad. Jam V, we need to match the Steelers' intensity next Saturday. Don't care if they're missing some key players. Steelers are desperate. Steelers are bad offensively, but they can still – listen, the Colts' offense can – be foobar under any circumstances it doesn't necessarily take a team twofold here one is if you're going to look for something to step up it would be them defensively and the other is the the ownership that that organization has had over the Colts in recent history two things right there that was a weird sound the hell was that coming from just weird sounds coming through this board do we need an exorcism up in here What's Whopper doing over there? Like I'm in war games right now. 
I'm going to play tic-tac-toe here in a second. Uh, Chris is next. Stephen Holder, by the way, ESPN Top of the Hour. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hey, JMV. How you doing today? Fantastic, Chris. Go ahead, brother. Usually on a Monday, I'm calling you to talk about the Colts, but that was the most sloppy, undisciplined game I've ever seen. It was. I don't really want to talk about them. Okay. Uh, I'd like to talk a little about the Pacers and how proud I am of the Pacers. Uh, we got a, we got smacked in the mouth. You got to tip your hat to Anthony Davis and their coaching staff for you know having a good game plan defensively against Halliburton and and you know Anthony Davis was. Old school Anthony Davis. I mean, what are you going to do when the guy's dominating like that? Uh, but I'm really proud of the way the Pacers are playing, and I think tonight we're going to bounce back really well and smack the Pistons in the mouth. So, go Pacers. Chris, thank you very much. That is exactly what you need to be looking for because anything less is going to be highly disappointing. And regarding the 41-20 and 20 and then four blocks that Anthony Davis had, I just – I'm sorry. I know that I, I'm the chief sticker-upper for Miles Turner. And I will always – because I, I know that he is important to this team, and I don't care what you say he is. And maybe that showed you the importance of when he has a no-show to that level as he did on Saturday – and then gives up with little to no resistance what he did in his opposition, that that's going to be problematic. And it was. I just, I expect more. I expect more out of this team, and I don't care what anybody else says. I've just not been out of shape about that loss like some people. I think, again, you have four home losses that are much more egregious earlier this season than that loss on Saturday. And messing around, or as I like to say, jacking around with this crappy Pistons team tonight, that's going to get you a rip job tomorrow. There's a lot of things you can learn out of that experience that you expect them to learn, and they can say all the right things, but uh, one level is that is the professionalism that it takes. No doubt, the professionalism that it takes. You saw the Lakers do that on Saturday. Lakers were professional as heck. They didn't need that. Probably didn't care too much about it. But they went out there. They went out there and played. They went out there focused and played with a purpose. When, again, it was completely unnecessary. They have games like that. Every other week. Every week, I'm sorry. Not even every other week. But that was my impression on it. And that's what I would expect from the Pacers. Beginning tonight. All right, quick break and we shall return. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. We'll get uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN coming up at the top of the hour. 93-5107, the fan. There's Matt Taylor on the call right there. Colts lose 34-14 to the Bengals yesterday. Kurt Gerald's running things. I'm John on a reactionary Monday. I'm not going to say overreaction Monday because nobody's really overreacting. They, they just were a tremendous slouch, Judge Mails. <laughs> really, all conceivable areas yesterday. Tremendous slouch. But there's no overreaction because the reaction, whatever it is, would be an accurate one. 
And that we talked about the Pacers over the past week and especially on Saturday. Pacers get the Pistons tonight. And again, I bail at the bottom of this hour, 5.30, Colts Roundtable with Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, and Joe Wrights. And then you got Mark Boyle, Eddie Gill, and Pat Boylan with Pacer pregame. That's at 6.30. 7 o'clock is that tip from Detroit later on tonight. I don't want I don't want at all to see any letdown stuff. I don't want to hear about hangovers or letdowns. That is a part of being a professional team. And you want that. You want to be better on the floor. You want to have a better look in the eyeballs of everybody that covers your sport nationally. You did so much good for your franchise, for your team. And you got that embracing from local fans once again right here. A tremendous letdown would be not being professional and going to Detroit. And you know, Detroit hadn't won since Halloween, I don't think. It's a part of being a professional. It's a part of being better as well, just as much as playing on the floor. Not suggesting it's not difficult, but that's a part of who you want to be. It starts tonight. Back to that in a second on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from ESPN and ESPN.com. He is Stephen Holder. What if I told you that the biggest game of the year coming up on Saturday afternoon, the Colts were going to match up against Mitchell Trubisky in a must-win situation? Would you feel good? Because honestly, it's been such a roller coaster. I don't know if I would feel good about anything until they actually get the job done right. You agree? Uh, I, I would not have circled that one on my calendar back in back in August. I can tell you that. I look. I I want to be optimistic. I I think this was a a throwaway game. I guess you know that one off game. I hope, but but I also can't say that with certainty. I'm talking about Cincinnati. You know, um, it's 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 comforting to think of it in that way. That you know, this they laid an egg. It happens. Every team does it. But is that what this was? Maybe. But they have to prove that, and they have to prove it by showing that they'll show up. Frankly, on Saturday and and play as we know, or at least we have seen them play in the past. So I guess we'll see. Does it come down to the simple fact that the Bengals? That's a much better team, even with a backup quarterback, than what they had faced during this win streak. They have some elite talent. Uh, I do think that is true. I mean, you take Jonathan Taylor out of the equation, and he he is, right? He's not – I mean, that's where, you know, at at running back, you might have a one-for-one, you know, mix in Jonathan Taylor. I take Taylor over him, but but I'm just saying, you got two elite guys. And and then if you go the rest of the skill positions, you know, you'd have to say, look, the the Bengals are the more elite team there. So they, they get the edge there. And then where the Colts have strengths, they didn't show up. The offensive line, worst game of the season, easily. So where you do have advantages, you, you can't lose. You can't seed those advantages that you do have against a team that's really talented, and they are. You know, what's interesting, you know, I heard the, the clip there, and you talked about the, the screenplays, the mix-in, and all that. I, I believe there were those three – well, actually, Brown and Mixon. There were those three big – screenplays uh, that went for 124 yards. And I'm getting to a point here. The reason, part of the reason they gave those up is because they are playing deep and defending 
or trying to defend against the big play, uh, you know, to guys like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And in the process, uh, the Bengals kind of used that against them and hit them with underneath stuff and let their guys make plays after the catch. So, you know, they had put that stuff on tape the previous week, you know, down in Jacksonville, and, and the Colts were rightfully uh, pretty worried about that. So it goes to your point, the fact that they have elite talent and the Colts, I wouldn't say they were scared of them, but they were very wary of that talent. And the Bengals used that that fear to their advantage. So Stephen Holder of ESPN and ESPN.com. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, what was the reason behind, and I, I know people oftentimes say, well, I didn't make any adjustments. So I, I don't really know what happened. All I know is what I saw is that they were hit over the head with the screen game nonstop, and then Ronnie Harrison – had a pick six, and it looked like that that shook Jake Browning a little bit. Game tied going into the half at 14, and we thought, you know what, maybe that's a good thing for the Colts, and then they let them go back to that screen game again, hit them over the head, and you know basically dominate the rest of the way. Did it appear to you that there were any adjustments defensively made to something that worked so well and so endlessly that the Colts evidently either couldn't or did not stop? No, I mean, I, I, I'll i go back and look at it a little closer, but I, I really think it's assignment football. You know, their their scheme is not overly complicated. They don't do a lot of adjusting. You know, they, they will send a blitz here and there and, and, and sort of modify things in that manner. But but they, they generally are one of those teams that, you know, they do what they do, and, and the system, if played correctly, is intended to have people in position to make the plays. Now, sometimes coaches are wrong too, right? So that we, we can allow for that. But I'm just saying, in theory, that's how it's supposed to work. And, you know, what happens on those screens a lot of times is you get a, just a slight bad angle can be the difference. And I think we saw that a couple of times, even a guy like Zaire Franklin, you think, you know, his hands were dirty a little bit there. It only takes a very slight bad angle, you know, for a play that should be contained to, to become a big play. So I, I don't know if they, if there were adjustments they should have made. Uh, clearly they did not make any, <laughs> but I, I really do think it, it does to a great degree boil down to, uh, to responsibility and execution on the Bengals part was really good. I mean, take it from the other side, right? I mean, the, the Colts, I've always felt should be a much better screen team than they have been. They've been a little better this year in the past. And the Frank, I always wondered why they couldn't produce uh, effective, an effective screen game. It was very frustrating to me, particularly with the way they run the ball, the athletic linemen they have. I don't know what it is, but all I can tell you is the, uh, the Bengals really executed those screens really well. And the Colts did not execute well on defense. And then that coupled with, like I said, uh, them being wary of of the Bengals going over the top to to Higgins and Chase. Hey, Steven, if I were to tell you before this game yesterday started that Boyd, Higgins, and Chase would have seven receptions between them, huh. would you think that the Colts had a pretty good chance of winning that game? Yeah, yeah, because then that would say to me that, that the Bengals are probably going to try to run the ball a bunch. And I felt like, well, with – with Grover Stewart back, I felt like that would solidify the running game a little bit. So yeah, <laughs> it would, it would, that would be my rationale it would be like, okay, well that, that sounds pretty good. I mean, I'm looking at it here and outside of the, the screenplays, 
there are there are four there are four completions to running backs of 18 yards or more. Okay, four completions to running backs, 18 yards or more. Outside of that, you're looking at Higgins has a 46, I believe, and a 26 yard reception. And then Chase, I don't know, did he even play? You know what I mean? And so to some extent, I don't want to say successful, but like they did have some success in in accomplishing what they set out to do, which was to limit those explosive plays from the perimeter players. They did do that, but they didn't factor in those, not that they didn't factor in, but they, they didn't account for those running backs having those big plays in the screen game. I, I don't know. I think it's a good game plan too, to some extent, you know, you got to give them credit. Uh, they look at tendencies and I don't know if there were some tendencies that, that the Bengals might've seen that suggested to them that the screen game would, would work, but they clearly came uh, with that as a big part of their game plan. I mean, there was no accident that they kept going back to that. I mean, they saw something, I, I presume they saw something that enabled them to say, look, this is going to work. And, and, and also couple that with the way the Colts were playing, they were playing pretty deep and, and playing off those receivers. When you're doing that, you're going to be able to generate some underneath some, some underneath yardage in screens because those defensive backs have to come up and make those tackles if they get to the second level. Um, the, the problem is they, they then did not make those tackles even at that level, and then you get, you know, 54 and 45-yard completions. So, Stephen Holder on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Um, I have teams now, I'm assuming this has been for a while, so you're going to say, well, wait a minute, where have you been? Have they completely figured out, especially without Jonathan Taylor, um, how to contain this offense? I mean, really, it seems like that they're taking away absolutely everything. They're not convinced anything can happen down the field, and then you can't run the football. It just seems to me that with that recipe in mind, this Colts offense is screwed. Yeah, part of the problem is, well, yesterday in particular, uh, you had, uh, I mean, a season-high nine penalties. So, so you're behind the chains to begin with. And, and when you have that, nothing works, okay, particularly with a quarterback who is kind of up and down. Uh, so, anyway, season-high nine penalties, so that's a mess. Then the, the protection wasn't great. I mean, Gardner Minshew gets sacked on the first play of the game, if I recall, uh, or first – uh, first uh, play from scrimmage. And then, you know, so you're constantly in these terrible situations that don't allow you to run the ball. I mean, and then you're behind, by the way, behind like the entire game. So Zach Moss, 13 carries, it, it, the yardage and the average was terrible. I mean, 2.2 yards per carry for Moss. I mean, I ain't getting it done. However, that being said, I mean, 13 carries, some of them in suboptimal situations, I, I mean, your exit should be low. But I would say in the grander picture, um, there is definitely – they do lose uh, some pop without Jonathan Taylor. There's no doubt about it. I, I'll, I'll have these details in a story that's coming out, but I crunched a lot of numbers today, and this is interesting. I'll preview it here. So, with Jonathan Taylor this season, okay, if my math is correct, uh, the Colts, 4.4 yards per carry – with Jonathan Taylor. That's pretty good. That's top 10 in the NFL. Without him, without Jonathan Taylor, 3.6. Now, that includes those games early on. And Moss had a couple games while 
while Taylor was on the pup list where, you know, he actually got rolling a little bit, Baltimore comes to mind. And even in spite of that, these last two games really dragged them down. I mean, like I said, the non-Taylor games this year, 3.6 yards per carry. That's a huge discrepancy. I mean, huge. So all I can tell you is, I mean, look, Taylor's been hurt a lot this year. Um, I don't know whether, you know, fans are second guessing the contract or what have you, but I, I would argue it, it kind of tells you why they did sign Taylor. You know, he's a difference maker. It's, you know, we, we definitely knew that was Stephen Holder joins us now. What do you think about the possibility of his return Saturday? I am pessimistic, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not kind of going out on a limb and making a prediction. Um, I mean, I, I think we know that the, the two- to three-week timeline was very optimistic, <laughs> okay? That is, like, that, that is like the absolute positively best scenario, best-case scenario, right? And, and that almost never happens. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't anticipate that he comes back this week, but, but we'll see. I mean, they, they practice – well, they don't practice tomorrow, but they are – they are working tomorrow. They will have a, a walkthrough. I believe there will be an injury report, I think. We'll see how that goes. But um, we'll see. I mean, we'll have, a, we'll have a sense here in the next day day or two days. The next day or two, excuse me, uh, because the week is accelerated because of the Saturday game. Yeah, and uh, so is winning accelerated here. I, I call a lot of things, and people make fun of me for it. So regardless of the <laughs> the mathematic circumstances, must wins. Um, this would appear to be the biggest game and the must of the must wins, considering the outcome if you lose and how much help that unrealistically um, you're hoping that would have to come to you if you were to lose that game on Saturday to the Steelers. Have I touted that accurately here? Well, I think here's the thing. The reality is the the loss yesterday came under the, the best-case scenario if they were going to lose. And what I mean by that is they, they got a lot of help because other people lost too. <laughs> but you cannot count on that happening again. You know, I mean, that's why they're still right there where they need to be. You know, had, had the Colts lost and then, say, Houston wins and Jacksonville wins and this team, that team, I mean – they're at the point now where there are so many seven and six teams. I think, what is it, six, seven and six teams in the AFC? I think it's five or six of them, okay? Uh, now they've got so much company that the margin for error is getting slimmer and slimmer. So they're not all going to lose. They're just not, you know what I mean? So I, I think from that perspective, if you don't want to severely cut into your postseason uh possibilities yeah you need to win this game it's also a winnable game that's the other thing but it is what it is i mean let, let's call the steelers what they are right now they got some issues right now so go get them how disappointed were you in the offensive line play yesterday very very uh i mean look Braden smith is a big loss but i, I mean you, you just can't have it's been lost enough that, this year to maybe get used to it right a little bit uh, it's 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 getting concerning at this yeah. point you know and and I don't know what the outlook is for this week. Um, Shane Steichen was on um, Braden Smith. He was a little bit evasive today when asked about him. So make of that what you will. But, but yeah, his, his injury toll this season has been a little concerning. And I, I don't know that you have to necessarily uh, make a determination on some kind of off season decision or something. I'm not saying that. I just, all I'm saying is, 
it's something to think about. Maybe it's a one-off. I don't know, but but he has had some things. The last couple of years for him have been have been very, um, I, I guess, unusual from an injury perspective. So anyway, um, I was disappointed. Yeah, for sure. I, I think there were the, the undisciplined stuff too, like the the pre-snap penalties, uh, just you know stuff like that, and then Ryman at uh, left tackle. I mean, that's the worst game I've seen him play since his rookie year. No doubt about it. I mean, this year I have not, I I cannot recall a game this year where Bernard Ryman uh, had that kind of performance. He had some last year, but I'm okay with that. I mean, they threw him in there as a raw rookie. Uh, He he wasn't ready, but that's okay. He got a lot of good experience this year. We saw the growth. And so now the, the bar is higher for him. Now he can't play like that. He cannot play like that, and and the expectations for him are higher, and they should be. It is what it is. So, yeah, I was very underwhelmed by that offensive line performance. A uh, couple ticking-tack calls maybe on the holdings, but um, but that I don't think salvages how they performed overall. Right, special teams last week was lauded, embraced. Everybody mm-hmm. was in love, and then this week uh, you probably should have made a lot of those guys just like walk back I-74 home uh, with the way that that special teams unit played yesterday. What were the major issues that you saw, and what was behind that wide berth between how they played in Nashville last week and then how they looked yesterday in Cincinnati? I don't know. I, I think just – I think it just kind of – it's reflective of the way the whole team played, you know, I mean, no one played up to their standards yesterday. And I, I don't know how to explain that, but I don't know if there's some carryover between, you know, what happens offensive and defensively and, and special teams. I mean, you you'd think there shouldn't be, but um, I don't know that I can't explain that. That was, that was tough. And then frankly, Matt Gay, uh, kicking the way he did. And we asked him today, he, he was available two reporters today asked him about the the extra point because I thought the snap might have been a little off on that and he flatly said no it was not he just pushed it so I, I'll take him at his word I, I thought it might have been a little off I thought the snap was was a little bit up into um, Rigo Sanchez's kind of you know up in his gut a little bit and he had to kind of pull the ball out quickly but um I don't know that it should have caused a miss, you know, so I, I was still a little surprised he missed it. But I thought this, the, I didn't think the snap was perfect. But the, be that as it may, uh, talk about high standards, right, that we just mentioned with Bernard Raymond. I mean, we have those for Matt Gay, too. I and mean, yeah. we should. We should. I mean, he, you know, they gave him a, uh, an unprecedented contract for, for a kicker for this franchise. Yeah, Steven, I said earlier that, we, that uh, fair or not, he's, you rely upon him to make everything, to be 100% yeah. accurate. You just do yeah, with this team and the way that it looks, the way that it's built, all of that. Come through. I mean, I, I think it's not hard to see the logic as to why they signed him, right? Because this was – they've scored way more points than we ever thought they were going to, so I'll give them credit. But they envisioned themselves being kind of a lower-scoring team, trying to find its way on offense. And what I would say is they've been inconsistent on offense. So at least under that scenario – when you've got a weapon at kicker, they got to come through. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, so the bottom line is, man, if, you, if your good players, if your best players don't play well, this is what happens. And none of their good players played well yesterday. I mean, Pittman might be the only exception, frankly. I, I can't think of another one. Who else had a good game, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, Zaire Franklin had a bunch of tackles. That's good. But I think there's a couple of plays that he did not make where they, they could have been impactful plays. So even, even their, their best performances, I can find areas where those guys weren't good enough. And I mean, it was, it, it was an, an incredible coincidence or maybe just, um, or something else, but all of their best players played terribly. <laughs> Uh, EJ Speed's absence was that felt yesterday, and I'm assuming that he's going to be back and good to go on Saturday, right? You you do have to wonder if he could have made a difference in some of those screen plays. You know, one of the things he does really well is cover a lot of ground. Now, Ronnie Harrison, that's a big play he made with the the pick six, and I think his his defensive back instincts, you know, might, might have played a role there, which is which is great. You know, he's a former safety that they've yeah. converted, which has worked out, by the way. I, I can't believe how well that's worked out. But anyhow, uh, there's that's one play out of, you know, 60 or 70 snaps. And I think you have to evaluate the whole thing. We can't get distracted by the fact that he did make the play that was available to him there, to his credit. You know, what did he do on those other snaps uh, where big plays were made going the other way? That's the question. But no, I think EJ Speed is – there's a reason they they felt um, that they were able to cut Shaquille Leonard. Yeah. I mean, the one thing we haven't talked about, we, we've talked a lot about Shaquille Leonard struggling, and he was, but the other side of that coin was that EJ Speed has had a really good season, and, and they think there's a lot more there that he can tap into even beyond that. Gotcha. Hey, Steven, I got to run here. I got to bail out early. I appreciate you as always, yeah. man. All right, you got it. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN and ESPN.com. I got to run. We got Colts Roundtable next, Pacers after that. Back with you tomorrow with three. Thank you, Kurt. Got to go right now. 93.5107. Find the fan.